Welcome to Props and Hops, powered by Dimers.com. I'm your host, Matt Landis, and today the Bet Bash bonus series crosses the finish line with part 10, reviewing the weekend in Vegas, plus a little Masters preview with Mike Roselli. Mike, welcome back to Props and Hops. Thanks for having me back, Matt. I am still reeling a little bit from the crazy weekend that we just had in, in Las you Vegas. You and me both. So, I mean, hopefully I don't sound as hungover as I actually am. And uh, I know you and I talked briefly right before this, the amount of water that we're drinking is never going to be enough for how much our bodies probably need. But uh, yeah, I'm happy to be back on here. It was great seeing you this weekend. And and I got to say, you know, I, I, I'm honored to be on to close out this this wonderful series you've been doing. But the cast of characters that you brought on, the nine <laughs> prior to me, um, man, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of this list, this group of people. And um, I think I'm a, a really strong favorite for being the least known of all of them, but hey, you got to start somewhere and uh, I'm, I'm really happy to be back on this podcast. Yeah, happy to have you back and you've been on a few times in the past, so this audience should be fairly familiar with you. In fact, we recapped the first Bet Bash together as well, but for some of the listeners who might be a little unacquainted or could just use a refresher, could we kick it off with an elevator pitch on your background in betting? Yeah, so I... I've been a sports better for, for several years now. I would say I've been seriously doing it uh, for about uh, probably about since 2015, 2016. So kind of, you know, seven, seven ish years. Uh, but I'm a Chicago based attorney. I've uh, been practicing for eight years now, roughly. And I worked in corporate compliance for a few years, but was always betting. And there were some times where, you know, I was, um, especially as PASPA was being closer to overturning where I was, you know, doing a little bit better on the betting side than I was <laughs> with the, with the day job. And, and uh, fell in love with betting first. I was a better first. But then when Passport was overturned in May of 2018, I jumped on the opportunity just to immerse myself in the industry. I really had um, my eyes you know, focused on it for a while. So I, I uh, jumped at the chance to be- become a part of the inaugural class of the University of New Hampshire Sports Wagering and Integrity Program in spring of 2019. And I started my own podcast as a passion project uh, a couple months after Passport was overturned. And now I've got coming up on 130 episodes on that with the Doggy Juice podcast, and then uh, made the move full-time, joining Bet Chicago, Bet Indiana um, in, in the summer of 2019 as legal analyst and, and a staff writer, because uh, in Bet Chicago, Bet Indiana, we were going to be an operator, but and, and long story short, got the temporary license uh, in Indiana to launch uh, Bet Indiana, and then uh, COVID hit, and uh, some other things happened, and and had to make a shift uh, during COVID and ended up jumping on PlayUp as PlayUp's uh, chief compliance and legal officer, um, really at the end of 2020, but officially starting uh, last year, 2021. And I was the second U.S. hire and was around for uh, pretty much pretty much did everything for them uh, as the team built the U.S. team from from just two up to 30 plus. Uh, by the time I left, just about a month ago, it was difficult leaving PlayUp, especially since I you know did a little bit of everything for them. I mean. I mean, heck, my name was on, you know, I handled insurance. My name was on a couple of the bank accounts and, um, and really it helped to, you know, establish our trading strategy, obviously the legal compliance and our state launches in Colorado, New Jersey, um, had my hands in everything there. And it really, that the 14 months I spent there was like 14 years anywhere else. I really learned everything about, uh, the operator side, the other side of the counter, but I'm a better first. And that's why, you know, an event like Bet Bash was so perfect uh, for me at this stage of my career. And, um, I'm a lifer in this industry, no doubt about it. So I'm married to sports betting, whether people like it or not. 
<laughs> and speaking of Bet Bash, I know it said the sequel rarely as good as the original, but it'd be awfully hard to say Bet Bash 2 wasn't leaps and bounds ahead of Bet Bash 1 as good as the first event was. Give us your overall thoughts on the Bet Bash 2 experience. Oh my gosh. I mean, so no hyperbole. And I've been telling people this. I, I really do think that was the best weekend of my life. And, and if not, then it was certainly on the short list. And I got my ass handed to me in, in the casinos, <laughs> in the table games. You know that. Uh, so usually when you go to Vegas, you never say that after a, a tough uh, betting weekend at the tables. And even uh, I lost all my, my final four bets out there. It was that kind of weekend. I mean, the, the networking opportunities, the, the amazing conversations, everyone in our space all came in you know, to one place for one weekend and, and magic happened. There's never been anything like it in the end of last August. The first one, it was just one night, but it was like, it was like that one night last August, but four or five of them in a row and they're all day. And it just took it to the next level. And it, it was, it, it far exceeded what my expectations were. And those expectations were pretty high. And one of the last um, agreements that I actually helped negotiate before I left play up was play up sponsorship um, of bet bash uh, with, with Spanky and, and even talking to him then there was just a lot of you know uncertainty on how this thing would play out. But I, I was always optimistic about it just because the people and, and really the point hammered home to me this past weekend was this is an industry that's, that's a lot smaller than a lot of people even realize, but it's made up of some very unique personalities. And I think personalities that are more unique than maybe anywhere else. And I'm doubling down on that take this weekend because the characters that I was able to meet and, and the relationships that I was able to form and build on from the last bet bash, um, it's just it reminded me that this is a relationship uh, business and it's built on these characters and and you won't find any any people around like the ones that we met uh, this weekend. Yeah, I think it might have been a daily occurrence where you just kind of as a quick aside to me mentioned that if somebody asked if there's anywhere else in the world you'd rather be the answer would be no one of those yeah. rare times where it was just event after event where that was the spot in the whole world to be yes, for anybody absolutely. really passionate about betting. And it reminds me of being in the Olympics back in 2008. I shouldn't say in them. I didn't compete. I was there with <laughs> NBC Sports working as a PA right outside the bird's nest. But it was amazing to see through that experience. Okay, here's Bob Costas. Here's Michael Phelps. Here's Usain Bolt. I mean, my flight back from Beijing to LAX after everything wrapped up, I remember seeing Doug Collins, Vince Vaughn, Sean Johnson with her gold medal <laughs> after the gymnastics team kicked ass. In fact, I think about half of my flight was comprised of people wearing their gold medals from Beijing. <laughs> and you were starstruck being in this environment where it's like, how did I get in here? <laughs> and and Betbash had that kind of vibe too. Oh, there's Roxy, there's Chris Andrews, of course, there's Spanky, uh, Rufus Peabody, the ESPN guys that came out to moderate panels, David Purdom and Doug Kazarian, of mm. course, Gil and all the other guys from VEASAN, uh, Derek Stevens and his team at Circa. It was just surreal. Every room we went into, the company that we were in, and it felt like the event that kept on peaking every time you thought there's no way they're yeah. going to top this. You know, just wait. Uh, you know, don't hold your breath because we've got something special right around the corner once again. And to that end, I wanted to see if we look at the Bet Bash official sessions, any highlights that you may have. And as a refresher, I had to think this through myself because it was just coming out as fast and furious on Thursday. We had California Split, a screening at the D hosted by Alan Boston. Friday, there was the unofficial early check-in at Bar Canada at the D. Then it really picked up Saturday, speed networking in the morning, Final Four watch party in the VIP section of Stadium Swim in the evening. Quick turnaround to Sunday, expert panels starting bright and early, and then mm -hmm. the cocktail party at the Legacy Club. And on Monday, the Bookie Better Breakfast, 
capped off by the college basketball title game watch party at the VIP section of the Circus Sportsbook. Mike, I know that's a lot. Any standout <laughs> moments? I really do think it was those panels. And I should also caveat this by saying I was unfortunately one of those guys that did not show up to everything, especially the early morning ones. I had to pick my spots a little bit. Um, but, you know, that was a calculated thing, too. Some of those late nights stay out a little bit later because you're having such a good time with people we've met, you know, from you know, in the industry. So I could justify some of that. Um, so with that being the caveat, missing a couple of those early morning things, I, the, the panels, the two afternoon panels on on, um, on Sunday were my highlights. The the Stardust one, um, with the, just the stories that were told uh, on that panel were absolutely incredible. And the, the art of sports betting as well. I think that was just uh, can't miss that stuff. But really for me too, the the low key one that that actually I you know it, it didn't have the biggest turnout because it was early on, but it set the stage for the whole weekend. And that was the Allen Boston event, the, the appetizer course, so to speak, on Thursday night. Because I'd never seen California split. And I know you and I went in there and there was, there was a few people we got to talk to and meet early. But it really set the stage because it touched on the mindset and the psyche of the better. And I feel like those conversations were the ones, you know, and not necessarily evolving from that movie, but it set the stage. And the conversations involving the, you know, the psyche, and those are the best conversations I think I had all weekend. Uh, you know, not just the ones talking about you know, sources of data or, or, or modeling or you know, trying to share accounts with people. I think it was more the, the conversations around the mental side of being a sports better, the grind. Um, and, and I know, you know Rufus Peabody is a perfect example of this with some of the introspective stuff that he's been doing on Twitter and on the Bet the Process podcast. And, and, um, and really, I think that was having those conversations, learning more about how people are able to do this, you know, all the time and, and, and devote their life to it, the grind. And you really, you learn more about what you have to be like and what it takes uh, in order to be successful there. And, and I think that a lot of the common denominators that a lot of these people had is they're, you know, they're, they're able to, to identify, you know, their own, I guess, limitations and shortcomings, but also um, be able to adjust their sales over time. Because if you're stuck in your ways in this industry, I mean, as, as we've learned, it's it's just not going to work out. You know, you can find an edge for a while, but you have to constantly be adapting and, and uh, trying new tricks and, and and staying ahead of the curve. So the mindset that goes into all of that and, and what how that how you get that mindset and how you shape that over time and, and really learning and, and accepting the fact that you're always learning and learning more about yourself is is so key. And I think learning those, it's almost like a thing that David Malinsky taught us. It's, it's, you know, equipping a man to teach him how to fish instead of, you know, throwing the fish's way. And I think those are the best conversations I had this week that are going to really up my game and, and some things that I'm going to, you know, put into practice myself. That's going to make me a better handicapper for years to come. As you talk about the conversations, I think that one of my standout moments from the whole event, and this might sound really crazy to people, <laughs> but a conversation with one of the models that Spanky hired for the Legacy Club <laughs> yeah. cocktail party. Um, she, I mean, she was stunning, but she was also brilliant. Uh, her name was Gina. And I first met her, I was talking to you and TikTok yep. came up. And then I ended up talking to her for probably half an hour about social media and building a presence. <laughs> Obviously, she's not building her social media following in the realm of sports betting. But the more I talked to her, the more I realized, okay, she, you know, she doesn't just look good and sound good like she's done her work she's very smart and really mm -hmm. applies herself fully to the social media space in a way that i think a lot of betters and betting content creators could benefit from because as we were talking i'm thinking on one hand this might seem like it has nothing to do with sports betting you know talking to a model at a cocktail party about tiktok and instagram and then at the same time so many betters or content creators are looking to build a following 
and they might be the sharpest betters or have the best things to say on a podcast or a TV show. But knowing how to scale mm -hmm. that with an audience on some of these new platforms, I mean, it's a tricky game. It's mm -hmm. still kind of the Wild West when it comes to TikTok and Instagram. So getting Gina's insight on things to do, whether it's the hashtags you use, um, you know, mm -hmm. what kind of content you create and how you approach things from a more high level process standpoint on some of the social platforms with the biggest opportunity to grow an audience. I mean, as somebody who has a podcast that I would love to reach more people, that was absolutely one of the mm -hmm. highlights of the mm -hmm. whole Bet Bash experience. And then juxtapose that with just about 12 hours later, I'm sitting right next to Roxy Roxborough at the Bookie Better <laughs> Breakfast, hearing even more about the history of Vegas, you know, expanding on that Stardust panel from the day before. And I'm thinking, you know, Roxy represents pretty much everything good about the history mm -hmm. of betting in Vegas. And somebody like Gina, on one hand, people would think, what does she have to do with betting that could provide any value? I think for the next generation, you know, if Roxy's kind of, you know, the most acclaimed personality when it comes to the old guard, people have a lot to learn from, you know, Gina's mm -hmm. knowledge and her skill set when it comes to what's next and, and building a following on platforms that are going to be around for a while, like it or not. Um, mm -hmm. So I actually might think about bringing her on for a conversation to see how we could bridge the gap between some of the betting knowledge and content creation skills and really scaling that and resonating with a big audience to hopefully make a lot of recreational betters better at what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So I, I never thought I would say it, but yeah, um, just a chance run in with one of Spanky's <laughs> models we hired at the cocktail party was probably one of the most enlightening moments and a weekend full of enlightening moments. Sometimes the best value plays on the board come from the places you least expect it. And, and some, and exactly hundred percent. And, and I think that's, that was a perfect example of, you know, you got to be able to, to, to listen to, to sources of information where you least expect it. And, and you're able to, to, to find little diamonds in the rough like that. I agree. That was a really wonderful conversation. And, and it really just kind of goes more to the point of Spanky just <laughs> knocking it out of the park this weekend. I think like literally everything. And, and this kind of, my, my whole takeaway too is like, and it kind of goes back to what I was saying before about the relationships and the characters is I, I kind of realized it dawned on me at some point, like these are my people, the characters that were there, the stories that were being told, like maybe we could all identify with each other because we're in some way, you know, the, there's a certain, the common denominators are there with all of us. Maybe you could call it a certain level of degeneracy. I, I think that, you know, a lot of people, you have to be some, <laughs> at some level an insufferable human being to put yourself through what you put yourself through as a, as a long-term uh, serious sports better. But I think that that was just a, a wonderful weekend to introduce yourself to people that were like-minded thinkers, thinking the same way, th thinking outside the box. And people like Gina at that, at that party, when you least expect it on Sunday night, she's got you thinking outside the box in a way that you never would have if you hadn't talked to her. Yeah, good connection, tying that back to Spanky, just really crushing it at every level with this event. And one thing that I really liked about the event was it wasn't just the sessions outside of the Bet Bash official agenda. There was time for people to create their own adventures, if you will. <laughs> and I think that gives us the opportune moment to weave in the Malinsky Minute here. Mm -hmm. A lunch for the ages at Lotus of Siam <laughs> on Monday, straight from the Bookie Better Breakfast to lunch at Dave's favorite restaurant with Mitch and Polly from VSIN and Pro Better Las Vegas Chris. Mike, I think we might be onto some sort of new tradition having a David Malinsky Memorial Lunch at Lotus of Siam whenever Bet Bash comes to Vegas. I think so. That was my highlight of the weekend. And to your point, it was not even a Bet Bash sanctioned event. I mean, we were out there, you know, threw the invite out there to to Mitch and Paulie and, and Vegas Chris to join. And and they were so kind to, to join us for um, what was the highlight for me of the weekend, just to be able to to meet those guys in person and, and just hear some of what they had to say about some of the stuff that's happening, you know, in Vegas and the industry there. And then, 
uh, you know, on my end, be able to share some, some stuff with them from where I'm at in a regulated state in Illinois, um, obviously regulated there, but, you know, obviously a different, different setup in, in other states outside Nevada right now in sports betting and be able to share those insights, but more importantly, hear some stories from them about Dave and some of the things, you know, reminisce and stuff and hear about the way that he impacted them and impacted people they know. I mean, some of the stories they were telling about, uh, about people like me who had never actually even met Dave physically in person, but the impact he had on their life is just, it's still being felt now. I mean, he's, he's more felt now than probably than ever before, just because some of the stuff that he, that he taught people and, and, and even some of the stuff he, he predicted over time, it's all happening. And, and uh, yeah, I really felt his presence this weekend there talking to those guys and, and not to mention the food at Lotus. I mean, that's uh, it's never, never bad to share uh, a great meal like that with, with great people, but hundred percent, the, the number one power rated thing I did this weekend. I think something Dave also would have been proud of shortly after lunch at, no- at Lotus, cracking bottles of spotted cow at the Circus <laughs> Sportsbook when the championship game is ticking off. Uh, weaving in the hops here, I can't thank you enough for getting me You know that first taste of new Glarus. <laughs> spotted cow was fantastic to try, especially in that environment around the people we had been with all weekend at Vet Bash. I was able to do a bit of a beer share as well after we had our first sips of Spotted Cow. So wanted to see what you thought of the hoppier side of Bet Bash with our yeah little casual beer share during the title game. That was amazing. And I, I have to thank you for bringing all those terrific beers. I mean, the stuff from Russian River was tops in my opinion. I know um, that's, that's something I can't get my hands on out here in Chicago as much. So I think that's such a great idea. And I'm excited to see where that goes in future Bet Bashes too. Uh, once the word gets out, because some guys were eyeballing those beers. We're standing there. You know, I think we have one guy going and I should try to snag one, uh, you know, not knowing that uh, those are those are not uh, you know, circa served beers. But I think you're onto something there because you got guys coming in from around the country, I mean, or, hell, around the world to find a way to bring some in from overseas. I and mean, it's a wonderful opportunity to, to discover new beers out there, just like it was a wonderful opportunity to discover new ways of thinking about sports betting and stuff. So. For me, it was like it was utopia. They're on Circus Sportsbook, sipping on the best beers in the world, watching a high-profile national championship game with some of the best people I've ever met in the greatest sportsbook in the world. I mean, how does life get better than that? I don't think it does. Yeah, I think we've established Bet Bash a resounding success. <laughs> and that said, I want to think about looking ahead. I mean, it's hard not to think that this is going to be a recurring event in some form. And moving forward, if you think about the event structure, is there anything about Bet Bash as good as it was uh, that you would, you know, if Spanky were to ask you right now, and maybe they'll send out a survey where you will get to mm. express this in the proper form, but anything from a structural standpoint within the event that you would like to see perhaps tweaked a little bit next time around? That's a good question. Maybe make it longer even so we can, so they can never end. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I honestly think that they, you know, it stretched a few days. There was some stuff that, I mean, maybe selfishly here, like those earlier in the morning that I would have liked, especially at their night out in Vegas. Um, so maybe pushing some of that early morning stuff later. I think he kind of did that to a, to a certain point, but might have lost a couple people on some of those early morning panels, including myself. But um, yeah, I mean, I really and, and really thinking about it now, I I would like to see more operators there. And that's really not something that that Spanky can do. But um, and of course, I did my part with my, my time with PlayUp to make sure that the PlayUp people were there. And, and PlayUp did have a lot of people there, uh, at the wonderful, uh, uh, wonderful former coworkers. Um, and of course, Circa had, had a huge presence there. But I liked, and this is less of a Spanky thing and more of a maybe Spanky urging other out- operators to come out there. Um, just yeah, because that was like the whole purpose for a lot of it. So, you know, you want to bridge that gap that um, that ever that perceived adversarial relationship between 
operators and, and betters. It doesn't need to be that way. And that was a big theme throughout the weekend, how we can how we can eliminate that over time. And a lot of us are fighting the good fight, trying to do that on a daily basis. And um, at the same time, I, I would like to see more books be represented because at, at the end of the day, it's a, it's an event for betters. And I think in order to bridge that gap, you got to have people on the other side of the table, so to speak, present. But I, I'm sure if I thought about it, I'd think of some other things too. But man, I just I just didn't want it to end. That was my real problem. So just more of it. I mean, just do them more often. Yep. I think you <laughs> had a good point with more people from the other side of the counter. It was cool to see. I mean, I know it, it made them maybe easy targets in a, a few ways, but we did have guys representing DraftKings and yeah. MGM on panels on Sunday also seeing a lot of the legends in Vegas, you know, Chris Anders from South Point. Mm -hmm. um, of course, the whole like Circa crew, I, I think it was pretty well covered. But mm -hmm. given the volume of people who were there from the betting side of the counter, and, and you can bet there's going to be a lot more of them moving forward, probably mm -hmm. as much FOMO on gambling Twitter this past weekend <laughs> yeah. as there's ever been. If we could also ratchet up the number of different bookmaker perspectives, that would be great. I know I got to meet Jeffrey Benson and have him on part nine of this series and connecting with him in person was really cool. I'd love to do that with more people, you know, well beyond the scope of Circa, even if Circa is hosting these events moving forward. So I'll echo your note there as well as the point that, yeah, 9 a.m. Sunday morning in Vegas, definitely pretty ambitious. <laughs> I was able to make it to that 9 a.m. panel on the ethics in sports betting hosted, or I guess I should say moderated by David Purdom of ESPN. Um, but it was definitely clear to see how that room filled in as yeah. things got a little bit later on. A lot of people weren't there for the first panel that were there for the third and fourth ones. Yeah. You're not alone yeah. in that regard. <laughs> um, so moving forward, there's a fine line between wanting to pack in as much value as possible and also maybe letting things breathe a bit. I don't know. I mean, mm -hmm. if we didn't have panels at 9 and 10 a.m. on Sunday morning, then maybe I'd be saying that that was dead time and there could have been something there. So not a hard and fast rule, but I do yeah. think 9 a.m. on Sunday in Vegas, a bit ambitious. So maybe something that could be pushed back a bit later moving forward. Otherwise, yeah. it's just, you know, really getting nitpicky to try to critique it too much further than that. Yeah. So if I shift gears from a structural standpoint with how Spanky and his team ran the event to your personal approach, um, let's call it the rose and a thorn concept. Anything <laughs> you did that you think was great, you really nailed something about how you devised your game plan to extract as much value as possible from bet bash and maybe mm -hmm. one or two areas where you'd also think, okay, this is probably going to happen again. Uh, what I want to perhaps do differently next time. How would you go about describing a rose and a thorn from the standpoint of your mm -hmm. personal approach? That's a really good question. Um, and I, I think that what I did best there was just being open to talking to everybody and I guess showing up to all the, you know, the, all, all the events where there was an opportunity to do so was, was, was key, obviously doing that. I guess what I wish I improved was kind of in the same lines though. I, there's a couple people that I, that I didn't talk to that I wish I, I never got to talk to Roxy. I was, that was, he was near the top of my list. That's a big regret of mine. And a couple others that I was, I was seeking, you know, that I wanted to seek out to, to introduce myself to. Um, so I think making a list is something that, you know, and, and really attacking that I want to make a power rated list, but maybe the people you want to talk to the most. So you'd actually make it a point to, uh, to talk to them. So that's probably you know a regret of mine. Having said that, I, I I've been fortunate enough to come across many of the people in the industry just naturally through my own career. So I, um, you know, I think maybe someone else that that is trying to break into the industry would it would be more beneficial for them. So I guess it's kind of a one and the same. The answer it's kind of a double edged sword there. Where I, I'm very happy with the conversations I had and 
especially staying out and cl- closing down the bars and everything like that. I mean, I was just a quick river back to what we were saying before. There was a moment um, at, at Circa, you know, the same day that we had the lunch with, with, with Mitch and Paulie and Vegas, Chris, um, obviously that was the same night. Uh, that was Monday national championship game. We were out at Circa for a while at the tables. And I actually was still at the Circa when Mitch and Paulie started their show at 4am. Mm-hmm. I was about to go in there and, uh, and bang on the glass, but that probably been a bad look. Might've been escorted out, but um, so but will, willing to stay up late enough to, to ensure you have all those conversations, but maybe, you know, if I can, I guess now that I'm even thinking it out, maybe get into bed, you know, before 4am, as people say, nothing really good after happens <laughs> after 2am anyway. So uh, just be able to balance the time a little better. So, yeah. Yeah. Good, good flashback <laughs> there. I had forgotten that. Yeah. When I went to bed, I guess this was technically <laughs> Monday morning, well into Monday morning, Mitch and Polly were on the air and I'm like, I'm having lunch with these guys soon, and they're already <laughs> up for their day working. So yeah. definitely a surreal moment, but uh, one of those, you know, really fun bright spots of bet dash. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing you mentioned earlier that I would say would be uh, a rose, if you will, for both of us, you wish Bet Bash were longer. I think we we tried to prolong it as much as we could within reason by arriving mm-hmm. on Thursday and staying through Tuesday. Yeah. That enabled us to be there for the California split screening that Alan Boston hosted Thursday evening. You've already touched on that. And even just not having to hurry out of there on Monday once the game was over, mm-hmm. sticking around, I was having a conversation with Hitman and in walks Fezzik. And I know he and <laughs> Fezzik are close, so I, I got the intro there. And just being around, getting there early and staying late. Not everybody can always afford to do so with other life obligations, mm-hmm. but it just opened up doors to meet even more people outside of the official scope of the Bet Bash agenda. Mm-hmm. And I would also say that I thought this was a good move going in, and it was really validated. Staying at the D worked just fine for yes. me. I know Circa's nicer. There are nicer places to stay if that's your thing. I totally get it. But if somebody wants to save money and kind of like we've touched on recently, save time for some of those morning sessions everything was at the D. So just being able to walk out the door of my hotel room and be in the Detroit ballroom for the morning session, whichever day it was in a matter of one or two minutes, that really came in handy. Mm -hmm. So between saving money and saving time, the D was perfectly acceptable, not the nicest place, but it's got plenty going for it. I think a really good price point. So definitely something that I would consider to do again, moving forward. Agreed. And I think that it was cool how you mentioned your Rose and Thorn kind of being one and the same and I'll jump in there in a similar vein and say, I don't know if it was a thorn because the Thursday before Bet Bash began, so March 31st, my podcast mm-hmm. got the most downloads it's ever gotten in a day. And then by mm-hmm. Monday, that had been topped by 50%. So wow. Wow. the podcast <laughs> was rewarding in a sense that's very concrete. And at the same time, you know, sometimes between sessions, it was tough. I, I really wanted to, uh, you know, exercise daily, get good sleep. I, I did well at the start, definitely tapered off the last <laughs> couple of days, but it was tough if it's okay. Do I need to sleep? Do I need to exercise? Do I need to eat? Should I be mingling with people between sessions? Okay, well, now I've got to interview this person, edit this, get it posted, tweet about it. Um, there's so much to do. And it seems like whatever you're doing, you feel guilty that you're not doing something else. So it's never going to be, you know, perfectly guilt free on the conscience. I've loved doing this 10 part series. I feel like it's cool that before bet bash, I set my mind to doing a 10 parter that started the week of and wrapped through, you know, exactly this time frame. Mm-hmm. So it's great to be following through on it, but I wonder if next time I might be better served scaling back a bit on the volume of episodes. It's, mm-hmm. I don't know who I'd want to cut out. I love meeting everybody and connecting <laughs> this form. So it's not like it was a thorn in that sense, but just freeing up more time for things like legacy club on Friday and Saturday. You know, I, I just thought I would get to check it out on Sunday 
And I found out that a lot of people were going there every night. And mm -hmm. there were nights that, you know, maybe I'm prepping for a props and hops interview. And it's like, I could be at legacy club in amazing company, making in-person connections instead mm -hmm. of doing stuff virtually right now. So just, you know, that's something that I'll toy with moving forward. I, I don't have any regrets about the quality of the podcast minus losing my vocal cords near the end of the weekend, <laughs> along with 300 other people. Um, <laughs> but yeah, thinking about that fine line of maximizing as much as possible from a content standpoint, but also just being there, going with the flow and, and mm -hmm. connecting with everybody in person and just, you know, riding that wave with everybody, yes. if you will. Um, yeah. One more a concrete thing that everybody listening to this can probably relate to. PSA, when you make a bet, uh, it's on page one of the uh, intro to betting book. <laughs> I know you're going your tickets with... <laughs> before you walk away from the counter. Right before, I think both of us, right before we went to Circa for that watch party, <laughs> we, I know I had a ticket to cash and then wanted to get in bets for the title game. And there was a, a you know, a Circa counter next to Bar Canada at the D. And I said, I'll take, you know, Kansas minus four. And on a separate ticket, I'll take under 151 and a half. You know, mm -hmm. Kansas minus four, tough loss, whatever, that's fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think the game landed 142. So after the mm -hmm. game, I'm talking to you and, and some friends and taking out my ticket to go cash it at the window. Uh oh. And it says <laughs> over 151 and a half. So the, the one basketball bet that I got right this whole weekend still amounted in a losing <laughs> ticket because I didn't do my due diligence. Yes, the ticket writer at the counter made a mistake, but so did I by not checking it. So just kind of a failure on multiple levels there. And you know, yeah. just a reminder that I, I probably shouldn't need, but, you know, bears repeating this happens sometimes in your exuberance just to, you know, take your ticket from the window, move on to the next thing. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a quick minute checking something can go a long way. This is your attorney here to remind you, always read that fine print. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. So I think we're nearing the point where we've recapped Bet Bash about as well as we possibly could. Um, but just to tie a bow around it, any top takeaways as you reflect back on the weekend that was? I just, I, that was the best weekend of all time. And I, I literally, I, I, there cannot be, the, the next one can't come soon enough. There cannot be more of them. Any excuse to bring those people um, all together is, is a good one. And I think I said it before, like I, it was, it just, it reminded me these are my people. <laughs> like, and, and so my takeaway is um, this industry is the best. The people that make it up are, are the best. And, and it's exciting because it, everyone's really welcoming of one another. There's so many kind people and um, there's a stigma in this industry too, obviously with gaming and obviously uh, the veils being lifted and, and the whole sports betting space and it's becoming uh, more mainstream. But the reason why that's all going to work is because the people were in those rooms and, and the people that got together and there's some wonderful people, the smartest people in the room that, that are, that are running this business. So I'm just honored to be a part of it, honored to have gotten to, to meet so many wonderful people and also build on some of the relationships I've already established. And it's just reminding me that there's a long way to go. We're going to be looking back at this past weekend for years to come and talking about it for the rest of our lives. Well said. I think I'll echo your point about this being so focused on the people we can meet. One of my biggest takeaways was a conversation, again, that I was having with Hitman right before we had a surprise meeting with Fezzik, was <laughs> he was talking about the value of having people in your corner. Um, for him as yeah. a better and doing what he's doing in the media space these days. Uh, myself, you know, trying to follow suit, obviously not a pro better, but improving, I think, quite rapidly as a better in my own right. And then also looking to grow where I can in the media space. Just being able to meet, again, guys like Gil or Jason Kahn, a producer for VEASAN, a few of the mm -hmm. shows that uh, he set up for me to appear on. Again, the guys from ESPN who were there, not to mention all the betters who were there to improve in that realm. Um, mm -hmm. Anybody there looking for opportunities. 
you know, selfishly, I, I think of the media space and the betting space, but I know that there were guys who could, you know, have offered a lot when it comes to data services or even mm -hmm. in your perspective, you know, with a, a legal background, there are so many people there that can offer value to all of us. But if we don't get out there and, and meet them and make those introductions, then uh, we're probably leaving some meat on the bone. I, I just think having that network, a lot of guests on the show have really reinforced the value of networking. Yeah. You know, I think having that as opportunities come up, it reminds me of the fact that so much of this game can come down to shots on goal. You know, you don't need everybody you meet to be your best friend or your biggest mm -hmm. advocate. But once in a while, if there's a career opportunity, whether it's, you know, to, you know, sign on with an operator or join a betting partnership or mm -hmm. get a media opportunity, knowing the right people can make all the difference. Like, yes, there's a baseline skill and competence that you need to have because somebody can facilitate the perfect intro for you. But if you don't perform at that point, right. then it's yeah, not going to go any further, perhaps. But if you don't even get to that point, then you might not get that shot. I think of my wife recently mentoring somebody in a conversation that came up. I think this, this woman was interning somewhere, mentioning a specific job that she was eyeing at a different mm -hmm. company. And my wife, Allison, mentioned, oh, I, I know the hiring manager for that role. Let me reach mm -hmm. out to him right now. And, you know, this, this intern was so impressed. She's like, oh, really? If you just want to give me his contact info, I'd be happy to reach out. Very polite and professional response. But mm -hmm. I remember my wife saying, like, no, this is how it works. Like, don't just, like, you don't need to send your resume into the void. For right. How many others? But let's let's make this connection right here and now. And knowing the right people um, from, you know, my wife's line of work to your line of work to mine, I, I think that's a similar concept that can always apply. Absolutely. And that was an absolute treasure trove when yes. it came to those opportunities. Yeah. And as, as I always like to say, as I've learned in this industry, my time, my, my short time, because I really have been, I guess, since 2018, effectively, 2018, 2019 is when I've been, quote unquote, in the industry. Every door opens five more. Every single door you open, that leads to five more, if not more than that. And, I, and really, is making sure you're not leaving any stones unturned. Putting yourself out there can pay massive massive dividends and especially in this industry where you just got so many characters and and if you if you speak the same language as people like a lot of the people at bet bash it's it's really easy to just get your foot in that door and open the five more behind it so 100 percent agree all right i think we've done all we can as far as recapping bet bash is concerned just mm -hmm. an unforgettable weekend so let's close that door for now mike but see if we can mm -hmm. open some others when it comes to some betting opportunities for the masters Nice turnaround from Bet Bash and the college basketball title game to the Masters right around the corner, not to mention opening day in baseball, but we'll leave that for another conversation. Thinking about the Masters coming up, what are your overall thoughts on this year's tournament? So I, the Masters is the best every single year, and but it's so unique, and I've touched on this on, on my podcast in the past, and, and I'm sure a lot of listeners here already know I'm not you know, breaking any news, but course history matters here more than any other PGA Tour event, and I know... Um, uh, you know, Joe Pita, he's pointed this out in his master's preview, which I, um, the book that he updated, I think a couple times, I know the original one was 2019, but as he touched on so eloquently in that, uh, that first book, the year to year correlation in a golfer's strokes gained at the masters is it's, it's off the charts when you compare it to any other tournament out there on the PGA tour. So if you buy into that notion of, of current form, um, not mattering as much to as, as much as course form for the masters, uh, the more you you can side with some guys that that really have some value this week in particular, and, and it happened last year too with Hideki. I, mean, I don't know if people remember Hideki coming into the Masters was not playing well at all, and 
um, and, and obviously ended up taking it home. So that, that's an important thing to keep in mind and also can lead you to maybe focusing on, on some other you know, strokes gained analysis and, and statistics to, to really zone in on uh, this week that, that you maybe ordinarily wouldn't. And I really do think that the most important thing for the Masters too, just like any others, because these markets have been up for a year. Um, and, and it's something you could bet into at all times. The Masters for 2023 are going to be up right after this tournament ends. And, you know, you see a lot of people get a bigger portfolio on, on futures because they're trying to pick off prices early on. But one thing that I always like to do and really recommend to people heading into next year's is, is copy down those odds at the beginning and, and really like maybe it's every six weeks, every month, check back in and do a little screenshot so you can see how they move over time. And it kind of gives you an idea of where players have been, um, you know, where players have gone in that previous year. And there's some guys obviously you know, with Scotty Shetler this year, or, uh, Cam Smith, some guys that you could have got way better numbers on them if you were uh, taking advantage of it earlier on. But, um, but yeah, back to that course, the course form, that's, that's really the most important thing to look at here. And, and I always, you know, do a lot less waiting. At least I'm, I'm one of those believers in, in, in that angle that, that your current form doesn't matter as much, mainly because, you know, some guys you just get, maybe a lot of it's because golf's mental, but you show up at the masters. Some guys are, you know, they're taken off a few weeks beforehand. All the focus becomes on the masters and, and uh, you could just tap into a different mentality when you get there. So it, it, and it's shown itself. So I was listening to um, Gil Alexander show on my flight back to Chicago from Vegas. And it was Matt Brown who pointed out that, and I don't have the exact period of time, but it was, it's a significant enough. Um, only about 10% of recent winners have had their best round on an opening Thursday on, on the opening round. Um, so it just kind of reminds you that you have to be nimble and, and there's going to be some value on the board for some guys on Thursday um, on the futures board, at least where you, can maybe attack and, and don't be uh don't be a stranger to live betting this thing because that's when you can find some some nice value as well so we've touched on the value of course history live betting i think something we've also got to weave into here because it's what everybody's going to be keeping an eye on and that will be the state of tiger woods at the masters this weekend mm-hmm. any thoughts as far as what we can expect from him so here's and, and this we this was discussed a lot over the weekend too because Circa was hanging those really awesome props on on Tiger you know whether or not he'll make the cut whether or not he'll uh, even you know, top ten top twenty or even I think even finish the tournament um, it, it's tough because when you it, Tiger when you look at some of his numbers from from the Masters relative to the outstanding career he's had and I think this is something Joe Pete has touched on too it's off the charts. And so I don't want to fade tiger this week necessarily. I mean, I, am definitely, you know, I'm a numbers guy. And if I see some, some prices that are uh, too appetizing to pass up, I may bite on fading tiger, but I'm not going to be necessarily looking to do it because he's obviously been focused on, on, you know, coming back for this tournament. And by all accounts, I mean, it looks like he's going to be teeing off here. I know uh, we're recording this Wednesday, but you see some, all the people watching his practice rounds and it looks like it's, he's on the 18th on on a Sunday and it's, it's on the Wednesday warmup round. By all accounts, he's going to show up and play, and I think a lot of people can can get burned uh, by fading Tiger this week, just because of his excellent history there. He always steps up a notch, and for whatever reason, it's it's just it fits him. And I was one of those guys that faded him a few years ago. I think I was on that no will Tiger win a major prop uh, the year he won the Masters. I, I think I laid five dollars to on that prop and got burned. Not to say that you know it wasn't a bad bet at the time, but I think a lot of people are quick to dismiss Tiger this week. I'm not saying he's go out there and finish in the top ten or top twenty, but uh, I'm definitely not going to be looking to uh, be one of those guys that goes up against him. You just mentioned top 10s or top 20s, and I'm interested in hearing your take on if we were to visualize mm-hmm. a pie chart for what you would consider an optimal master's betting portfolio. Mm-hmm. 
how big would the slices be for top tens and twenties and for outright winner type of bets versus, you know, what the pie could look like for matchups and props and other bet types like that, perhaps with more binary outcomes. Mm-hmm. That's a good question. And I, I, I don't have a tried and true, like uh, exact percentages on my pie chart, but what I like to do is, you know, I find my quote unquote, my horses for the tournament, the you know, group of golfers I identified of having the most betting value on the board. And then I'll, sp- and I'll definitely, I mean, as we know, mass or matchups are, are we going to find the most value on the betting board? So I, of course, look to target them in matchups. Obviously, if they're going against a golfer that I'm looking to fade, then the stronger that matchup becomes a very strong play. Um, so definitely the majority of that pie is going to be on, on a matchup, a tournament matchup, even round-by-round round matchups. But I would say, you know, I, if you and, and obviously shop around. That's the best part of this is when you're not locking yourself in you know, to the same book, you can find a really nice, you know, finding the best plus or top 20, finding the best top 10, finding the best top five. Uh, you could even stack the edge a little bit more in your favor. But I would say I do um, roughly the two win amounts on the top 20s, top 10s, and top fives are equal. So I was of, of more on, on the top 20s than I will the top fives and 10s. And a really small percentage on, on the outright. Um, I, I, you know, I won't have the two win amount as the same, but I would say if I had, if I had um, you know, if I was putting two units on a golfer, one unit would be on, on matchups. And then, um, you know, probably about half of the stake would be on the top 20. You know, roughly a, a third of the stake on the top 10 and then the top five and the outright is you know, the, small, the smaller percentages. So really mixing it around, I think, is important for all those uh, those horses that I identify. The horses for the course. Just, I remember yep. that from our conversation yep. last year. I think that's a, a yep. lot of good info for people to consider any final wagers they may want to put on this year's Masters tournament. And Mike, I can't let you go without touching on a topic that's really at the center of your wheelhouse the legalization landscape across the country, and I guess not even the country, the whole continent for now with Ontario coming on board while we were at Bet Bash in Vegas. Mm-hmm. How would you describe the current landscape and anything that's capturing your attention at the moment? It's amazing how fast things have been happening. Even like the past year, stuff that was like, that would have been pretty big news two or three years ago, like at least the news of the week and for the cycle would not even be the news of the day. So we've seen, you know, now we're at 30 plus states that have, have gone live and legalized. It's incredible to think of where we were just four months ago when PASPA was uh, about a month, just over a month away from being overturned and, and opening up the door for states to pick what they choose what they wanted to do. But yeah, you know, you see, you still see some states and some lawmakers screwing it up. And the biggest example of that was Georgia, you know, this past week, basically punting everything to next year. And it's it's not just the betters, but it's the, the taxpayers of the state of Georgia that are going to suffer as a result because the people betting sports in Georgia are still going to be betting sports and they're going to be taking their business, you know, across state lines to a neighboring state where they can get down or they're, or perhaps even worse, they're going to be keeping their action offshore or the black market where you're not able to uh, monitor uh, for ir- irregular mi- line moves. It's just bad for the integrity of the game. More importantly, it just keeps money out of the taxpayers' uh, pockets. <laughs> it's, 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 just, it's a bad move. So um, you hate seeing that. At the same time, you see some states working to get it right. And really, as I've been telling people, like the, everyone's getting more educated by this with it, you know, every passing week, every passing month. That includes lawmakers. That includes regulators. We're not even close to there yet, especially in a lot of states. But we are seeing some progress. I think you know one in... I guess as an example, if you can't give any credit in the state of Illinois, um, at least they're, they're allowing you to wager on co- Illinois college teams in person now. You know, they, they'll get that right eventually, and you'll be able to do it online. Uh, before you couldn't, they, they realized that was a mistake in the law and made that change. So at least there's a baby step towards where we need to be. 
Um, it's frustrating at times, but I'm always trying to be optimistic in the sense that, you know, a lot of people just don't know what the hell they're doing. And those are unfortunately a lot of the people that are making the biggest decisions, but uh, there are, there is reason for optimism, more States coming and more States tweaking the rules around to, to be uh, more, more friendly and more, and really more importantly, uh, sustainable for, for operators and for betters. As you mentioned, Illinois, at least now allowing in-person wagers on <laughs> in-state teams. I can't help yeah. but sympathize with everybody in New Jersey who wanted to bet on St. Peter's during their magical <laughs> yeah. run to the Elite Eight. And not just the bettors. I think even the bookmakers hated it because I think yeah. I heard one of them say that it got to the point where they were getting mm-hmm. most of the bettors walking up to the counter asking to bet on St. Peter's getting the same request over and over again and having to give the same explanation with no satisfactory answer. So hopefully we can see some of that positive momentum spread slowly, but surely from state to state, or again, perhaps even country to country with everything Canada's got going on right now. So Mike, one more question for you on the legalization front. I know that the start of the NFL season is usually a big milestone when some states will come online or we'll see any major changes, you know, in effect by that time, because that's when handle can jump through the roof. So is there anything as we look forward over the next few months that you'll be keeping a particularly close eye on? You know what? I, yeah, because that's when pe- everyone seems to rush right before football season, <laughs> you know, because, you know, they see, oh, there's a lot of money to be made here. Yeah, I want to see which states, you know, end up going live this football season or, or pushing things through. Um, and especially with, you know, regu- a lot of states have to craft their regulate. Like Ohio is a big one that comes to mind. And I know I was... Um, I was you know, t- taking a big peek at Ohio at my time with, with play up, uh, but getting their rules and regulations up in time and, and what's that going to look like. There's always a mad dash when, when it comes to that. So I'm going to be interested just to see, you know, which, who makes some quick changes ahead of August, September this year. And then, and then which ones really after the season kicks off or realizing, Hey, it lights another fire under, it's becoming like a cycle now every year where, you know, the fire gets lit under the legislature when nothing happens before football season, then they, it's almost like a knee jerk. We're not making as much money as we should be, especially when they look at the numbers coming out of other states, like like a New Jersey that that's now posting, you know, consistently one billion dollar plus handle in football months, and and other states to follow, like Illinois, where I'm at now, is going to be a monster this year uh, when football season starts. Now that in person registration is is uh, no longer a requirement, so that's actually probably the other one too. To be honest with you, is where Illinois goes. I think next year, um, do they do they take that top spot? Do we take that top spot in Illinois? I think it's It's going to be a good one to follow there. Sounds good. Well, Mike, from the Bet Bash recap to the Masters preview to the legalization landscape, want to thank you for your time and insight and hopping back on the show. And I want to be sure to plug your work so people know where they can follow you if they're not doing so already on Twitter at Michael Roselli. I'll have a link to that in the show notes. Also, check out the Doggy Juice podcast. Mike, anything I'm missing or anything else you'd like to add? No, I think you covered it pretty well there. Um, Those those two Twitter handles. and yeah, that's, that's about it. I mean, re- feel free to reach out to me at any time. I love meeting people in the industry and, and having great conversations and um, always, always fascinated by everything that's going on here. So definitely uh, make the connection, reach out. And I'd love to meet any of the, any of your listeners out there. Yeah, I think there were a lot of good connections with listeners at BetBash. And if somebody came and said hi to me, odds are they also made an intro to you because I know we were hanging out a lot. So again, those Twitter <laughs> handles at Michael Roselli and at Doggy Juice. And I'll take a moment now to let everybody know that's going to do it for this episode and the entirety of the Bet Bash bonus series here on Props and Hops, powered by Dimers.com. If you've enjoyed the series, I'd encourage you to check out the Dimers Podcast Network at Dimers.com slash podcasts for more gambling content. Mike, once again, thanks for the time and insight today. 
And thank you, thank you, thank you for the spotted cow and your companionship at Bet Bash 2. I'm already looking forward to Bet Bash 3, at which time perhaps we will have our voices back. I don't know if that'll happen. Might be a couple more years before I get my voice back. Might be, it might be some permanent damage. I'm not sure, but uh, no. Thank you so much for for bringing me on. This has been an absolute blast, and it really is an honor to be the one to to help close out this series. Uh, I don't know, man. I think that uh, Stanky's got to grease you a little bit for all the free content you've been giving with this Bet Bash bonus series because it's been the best content out there. And I, I, uh, I really I want to congratulate you for all the success you've had with this and all. You know the, the people that have found you uh, through, and, and through what you're doing with the Bed Pass series. It's it's wonderful and it, it really is an honor. Thank you. Well, it's you know it's just been so beneficial for me to get to meet people and, and get to know Spanky a bit more. So I feel like whatever I'm contributing, I'm getting at least as much back in return. So I will gladly take that exchange. And I know uh, you might have one final word to sneak in when it comes to the Masters. So once more, Mike, the floor is yours. All right, so two golfers that seem to be flying a bit under the radar right now, especially in relation to previous years. Didn't hear a lot of people talking. You still don't hear a lot of people talking about Patrick Cantley right now. I saw him at 25-1 to 1 on DraftKings earlier today when I looked. Xander Schauffele, 22-1 to 1 last time I looked. He's, he's uh, you know, it, it was close last year. He almost took this one home, and people don't even talk about that. He had a decent chance to catch Hideki at the end. So I think there's a decent value in those two guys who are real contenders. Tony Finau, got to go back to the wall on him. I think he's down to 60 to 1. Uh, got to take a look at him, especially if you believe in that notion of you know course form versus current form. Same with Mark Leishman, another guy. I think there has been uh, – his price has come down a little bit. He was in triple digits, but I saw him as – saw at least an 85 to 1 earlier. And then the long shot, got to give one out. Thomas Peters, play him DraftKings. Oh, DraftKings top 20, plus 275 last time I checked. He has the pedigree. He's always done uh, pretty well at the Masters. I think he was even like close to being a, the first-round leader one year at a big price. Uh, now he's really stepped up his game overseas. Great win player. Really like his price this week. I think you could take a flyer on him at 130-1, to 1, Thomas Peters. All right, there we go. Some potentially lucrative tips to reward listeners for sticking around to the very end of this conversation. <laughs> Mike, I'll go ahead and close us out with a nod to Bet Bash creator Spanky, and though he wraps up his episodes of Be Better Betters, thanks for the time. Until next time. I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying, I'm saying.